Hello and welcome to the first ever edition of Ballcaps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm John McKellar of the Glasgow Comets. And I'm Jason Durr, Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer, Jason, and former president of the league, um, formerly the all-time home run record for a single season uh, as well, was held by you, am I correct? Uh, yes, I did own that at one point in time. I, I, I don't know if it still stands or not. I, I believe John Nelson might have crushed me. I think he either tied or passed you by one, was it last season or the year before? I think it was 2017. Um, it was either a tie or uh, he beat it by one, I think. Yeah. He had a lot of home runs that year. He did a lot So let's quickly, to start with, give the listeners an overview of what this show is going to be. Um for kind of newcomers to the game in Scotland, we will kind of discuss from time to time the happenings in Major League Baseball, especially on a season like this when the Yankees are flying high. Um, <laughs> um, we'll primarily be trying to focus on growing the game here, though we do have a Scottish National League which features six teams at the moment, um, potentially going to be joined by... Seven. No, no, we have seven teams just now. Teams that we have the new team this year from Aberdeen. We have we have seven teams, yeah, including the two in Aberdeen, two in Glasgow, and three in Edinburgh. I am not good at mathematics, um. So we'll be discussing that. We also have an eighth team potentially coming into the team in, in, into the league in twenty twenty. Uh, we'll kind of talk about that as that unfolds gradually. Um, we'll be doing a preview every week of what's coming up that weekend. Uh, games are played on a Sunday in the Scottish National League for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and we'll kind of review the happenings from the previous weekend. We'll also have interviews with uh, players, um, past and present, and hopefully future uh, in the league, characters around the league, and also uh, hopefully all going well, some baseball people from across the pond and out and elsewhere. So we have a lot kind of planned. This is, of course, the first ever show. The rest of this season will be more or less a pilot run uh, kind of thing. Uh, the season is more or less wrapping up. It's uh, already kind of the Glasgow, yeah. Yeah, the Glasgow Galaxy, who are the Cobbett's sister team, uh, already won their third successive league title and obviously big congratulations to the Galaxy they've uh, they've really flipped um, they've kind of flipped the the power balance of the league on its head the past few years because I think was it eight years or something in a row the Edinburgh teams won I believe you see I think it's at least six so I know it was the first year the Devils won the second year it was uh, the Glasgow Baseball Association mm-hmm and then the third year was, I think it was back to Edinburgh, Devils, once or twice, and then the Cannons for three years in a row, then the Devils for three years in a row. And now, of course, now it's Glasgow's turn for three years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, we're waiting for Aberdeen to go on a tear next year uh, and, and take it for the next three, I suppose. They say good things come in threes, Jason. Um, but yeah, it's been a an interesting period over the past few years of um, growth as well for the league. Uh, we've gone from four teams when I started uh, back in 2013 to then six, and now obviously the seven, uh, as we've mentioned, there could be an eighth coming. Um, there's been other parts of the country that have made rumblings as well about potentially having a, fielding a team. 
Yeah, I know at one point there was talk of something getting down to the borders down there. Um, there's various places around um, that I've been interested in just trying to get the guys going. Obviously, with MLB being in London, that spurred some enthusiasm there. Uh, I know at one point there was uh, Inverness was looking at getting a team going, so mm-hmm. but I haven't heard anything more from them in quite some time. Well, hopefully, hopefully those kind of areas will will start to spark again, and, and we'll get because obviously the more the more teams and the more kind of areas of the country we're traveling to, the the better the profile of the sport will become. Uh, obviously, it is kind of a niche sport over here. <laughs> what with football being kind of the number one, obviously uh, listeners will have uh, gathered by your accent that you're not a, a native Scots. Um, do you want to kind of on the first episode kind of give a kind of overview of how you came to one be in Scotland and two get involved with the sport here so I'll make a long story short uh, it was a two week holiday I was taking a break from I'm originally from the Seattle area and uh, it was just time to get away and I was I was over here to go see some Chemical Brothers concert and explore the UK so uh, I was met up with a French girl we did London Manchester Liverpool Dublin back to London again down to Winchester for a festival. And it was just kind of a, a long weekend left. And I was trying to convince her to go to Paris. Uh, figured, you know, she could speak the language. It'd be great. And uh, she's like, no, 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 let's go to Edinburgh. I've always wanted to go. So I said, all right, you know what? Let's let's go for the weekend. And then I'll, I'll, I'll take you back to France and spend a few more days before heading back to my uh, my lovely job, stocking shelves in a grocery store. Because it was a dot-com boom had busted. And... Uh, you know, just fell in love with the place, uh, decided I was going to stay, just kind of figure it out from there. And uh, about a month in, I was reading an article about a baseball team. So they're, oh, I figure, let's drop them a line. Maybe I can help out some way. I don't know the standard of a ball, but you know, the least what would happen is I can find out um, if I can help out. Uh, turns out it was an amateur team. Uh, it was the Edinburgh Diamond Devils. It was just the single team then. Um, and I was super excited. Like I was playing baseball in Scotland, uh, made some great friends from it. I mean, my mom had to go to the store and actually like buy me a glove and send it over here. Um, I mean, I hadn't played even catch in eight years. So, I mean, I was super excited that I was all of a sudden there was 15 guys I could relate to. Um, got taken under the wing from a guy from Idaho who, you know, Scott really helped me out when I was first here, um, and had a blast, you know, we, you know, it's easy now with the games just in Scotland. I mean, we used to go down to, you know, Manchester and Liverpool and Hull. So you're talking meet up at six o'clock in the morning, drive five hours, <laughs> jump out of a car, warm up for five minutes and then play a double header and then go back home the same day. So you spend <laughs> 10 hours on the road just to get your double headers in. So, you know, the longest trip now is Aberdeen, which is what, three hours to get there. You know, so give or take three hours for us, yeah. Um, I don't know uh, what it would be from Edinburgh, but yeah, I think it's about three hours from Glasgow. That sounds like a nightmarish travel schedule uh, back in the day. Um, you see, this, this is where me being American was like, okay, five hours, yeah, we can do this. And now that I've been here now, I'm like, oh my gosh, five hours, there's no way I'm going to sit in the car <laughs> and do 10 hours just to play baseball. <laughs> But, you know, it, it was great fun for me, you know, it, it you know, opened my eyes, uh, you know, some of the best times were just sitting in the car, you know, with three other guys and just getting to know the guys there and, and finding about how, you know, their passion in the ba- in baseball came around. And I know it was, it was great times to bond. Um, uh, you know, I missed the road trips, you know, looking back on it, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know how we ever made it back from, from coming back from Liverpool after playing a doubleheader. <laughs> 
Yeah, I do understand what you mean about the kind of camaraderie building and the rapport building with uh, your teammates. That's definitely my favourite part of road trips. I don't particularly enjoy the travel itself. Um, but uh, I think one thing that we guys on the Comets uh, have is a great rapport with each other. And I definitely think that that builds um, more than at any time uh, during road trips. We have some great, some great laughs on the road. Oh, I mean, those were the, we always had, you know, various new guys uh, uh, that were like, okay, we're going to do this. You know, we make sure they sat in the middle and we gave them a hard time the whole time. <laughs> um, you know, other times, you know, it was, you know, get one of those 18 seater vans and then, you know, do that. Um, I remember my last time up to Aberdeen, we, you know, we had an 18 seater van and, and we made sure we had a cooler full of beer for the trip back. So we didn't have to worry about anything. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure that all your respective spouses uh, love that. It's only three hours. You know? it's, it's not like we're Wade Boggs and drinking 180 <laughs> over a flight. You know? um, so after you kind of settled here at, the, at that time, I believe the Devils would still be part of the BBF. Yes, we were still part of the BBF. So we were in the Northern Conference. So I believe it was made up of. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester, uh, Hull, um, Menwith Hill, which is on an American Air Force base. So that's out in New York. And I'm, I think there was one more. It might have been Cartmel Valley. Uh, but I think that was the Northern Division at that time. So tell us about the evolution of Scottish baseball from there to what we have now, which is a National Scottish League. Um, how did that come about? Like the governing body, uh, Baseball Scotland, obviously oversees um, baseball here. How did that transition happen? So we kind of had a fallout with the BBF. Uh, we had come in second in the league, and then we were playing the Southern Division third winner, which was, um, oh gosh, who, who was that now? It was Brighton. And Brighton was supposed to fly up to play us. And um, obviously, being the Edinburgh Festival, like the accommodations weren't, it was, were gone. And so they forfeited. And we said, okay, we were supposed to win and go on to the finals. But they, they said, no, no, no. If we, we need to play this game in Manchester. And we said, well, no, if, if we were the third place team, we would have found any way to go down there. So uh, we kind of dug our heels in and kind of said, no, if, if this isn't happening, you know, we'll forfeit. So. So we ended up forfeiting that, and that was kind of what stirred the pot of kind of growth in Edinburgh. We had probably enough for two teams at that time. At the same time, Glasgow had a youth team, and the guys were old enough to finally play as adults. I think most everyone was turning 14, 15, 16 at that time. Um, so there was no competition for them to play. And at the same, same time, there was the Strathclyde Falcons who played in uh, the BBF double-A uh, and again, travel was too much for them. So we had all kind of got together and said, hey, you know what? It's probably time to get a Scottish League going. You know, we'll start out as a four-man league and, and see how it goes. And, and, and that was it. So we, we, the following year, we just said, all right, adios. And uh, yeah, started up our own league. And that was in 2007 was the inaugural year, yeah? 2007, 2008. I want to say 2008, um, but don't quote me on that one. So um I want to say two, it was 2008 because I want to say the Cannons won 2010, 11, and 12. So it was uh, the right. Devils won the first year, I, um, and we went 
15 and one. <laughs> we were still so upset. We lost the one game to Strathclyde <laughs> in the pouring rain. It was, it was like throwing bowling balls to that pitch. And, uh, uh, it, basically, by the first inning, all ten game balls were were, were fucked, and uh, it was you you just lobbed it in there. It was going nowhere, and it was pouring rain. But uh, um, but it was good, you know, just to see the development. I mean, we we split the teams in Edinburgh pretty evenly. So back then, it was the Edinburgh Eagles, and uh, we, we we thought we'd split them up pretty well. Um, and yeah, the first season, you know, it was, it was assessed by everybody. It was, it was pretty evenly matched. There were some close games there. Uh, obviously the guys in Glasgow were you know, a, a bit behind because, you know, when you're playing, you know, 25 year old guys and you're 15, you're going to be at a little bit of, of a disadvantage, but then, you know, the next year they turn around and won it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would have been a team that would have featured, uh, my ex coach, Xander Harrison, uh, Jason Stott, um, and obviously my my current teammate Santino. Santino is back. Yeah, he he's been around. Uh, I think he's uh, planning on making it as much as he can. Oh, great! Uh, but he has other commitments and stuff at the moment, so we'll see how long he sticks around, and hopefully, you'll get a chance to play again. Um, but yeah, um, for the time being, uh, moving on then uh, with your kind of experience here. I'd like to know about your experience of playing at this level. Uh, what kind of level did you play to uh, back in the States? So I was probably your, your bog standard average high school player. Uh, I was a first baseman. I pitched. I played uh, with a couple of guys who played college. I played uh, a couple of guys that played in the minor leagues. Uh, one guy, John Leroy, played for the, the Braves, pitched for the Braves for in the one game uh, before being drafted by – a Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays uh, in the expansion draft. And, <laughs> um, so there's a couple guys I played with. Uh, someone, if you talking old school, uh, Todd Hollinsworth, you know, the rookie of the year for the Dodgers. He was uh, three years older than me, so I watched him. But, uh, you know, I was your probably your just standard guy there. Um, I had uh, I had wanted to go try to walk on at Oregon State, where I went to uh, university at. Uh, talked to a couple people about it. And they kind of gave him the lowdown of, well, you're in college, but you're basically spending 16 hours a day uh, working out, playing baseball, going to classes, going to study hall and that. And it really didn't appeal to me. So it's like, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy my, my university experience. Uh, and, you know, didn't play intramural softball or anything like that. It just kind of was like, all right, I'm, I'm, my baseball career is behind me. So, uh, so, you know, fast forward, you know, eight years later, and I find myself in Scotland. I can play amateur baseball. Uh, I was thrilled. I was like, I, I'd forgotten what a passion that I had for baseball, and just how much fun it was, and you know, just shooting the shit with people on on the diamond and talking trash. Did you find that the skill level in Scotland was better than you would have imagined? Uh, was it maybe not quite at the standard you would imagine if there was such organisation, um, or do you think it was kind of as you? But expected uh, was there kind of a an eclectic mix of different experience levels and skill levels, or at the time that the league was formed, um, was it kind of a bunch of guys who were hardcore passionate about baseball? Because I know that now we have a very varying kind of mix of experience levels. Obviously, guys like yourself have kind of started to step back from the playing side of things. You were president of the league for a few years. Um, you've now kind of retired from that post and are now. Firmly uh, rooted in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> so you you've got, you have pretty much nothing left to to prove here. 
Um, we do have kind of a, a mix of, even in the team I play on, the Glasgow Comets. Uh, I play left field for the Glasgow Comets and we have a mix of guys. Uh, I mean, uh, our oldest player is in his late 50s. He's also the coach. Uh, we also have very young players who are still learning the rules of the game, let alone um, how to play it. So uh, to answer the question, uh, how 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 impressed or unimpressed were you by the skill level in Scotland? I didn't know what I was getting into. I had no idea. I mean, this would have been 2003 when I kind of just rocked up and was like, hi, I'm, I'm the new guy. And uh, I was just, didn't know what to expect. So obviously there was a few Americans who had done it, but there was quite a few Scots who'd been playing for quite a few years. There was one guy, Gary, who played first base that first year. Is there? He was just a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he could just smash the ball. Um, and, you know, so you have the guys who've been playing for years. There have been a team in Edinburgh since at least – 1986 and i know you can go back to the 50s and talk and there'll be teams there um so you had these guys that were you know pretty hardcore they've been playing together for quite a few years and and they were you know at a pretty good level i was i was actually really surprised in how well baseball they they'd been considering you train once a week and you play games on the weekend so you know there wasn't a whole lot of things that I was used to back home where you practice three or four times a week and you had games at least twice a week um so you know but then you had guys who were like you know what? I'm a night creature, and I was watching baseball on Channel Five, and <laughs> into it. And yeah. you know, where do I go buy a glove? <laughs> and so you know, you you had this great mix. But I think with the one team, it worked out really well because you know we probably had about a sixty to seventy percent Scottish, and the other thirty percent being mostly North American. We had an occasional uh, somebody else come over from Europe, and. You know, it was it was good because we could the guys that were really experienced were able to go and get those guys up to speed quickly and kind of you know sit with them on the game and explain how the game worked and answer any questions they have. So we found with the new guys they got to speed quite quickly, uh, just because the opportunity was there to coach them. Uh, and you know, we had some envoys that back then, and uh, they were incredible. Like I, I learned more from these envoys from MLB uh, in the two weeks they were here than I did from my coaches back home. That's quite interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so from there, you you kind of led the. You were a diamond devil at first. You when I came into the league, you were the kind of leading kind of player in the the cannons. Yeah. So what happened is uh, the third year. There's maybe the second. The second year, Strathclyde folded, and we and then Edinburgh Eagles kind of folded at the same time. It was just. Uh, commitments had gotten in the way and then but we still had enough people in Edinburgh to start a second team so we thought okay well we'll start the cannons and I'll go and get those guys started to help them out so you know we can be all right as in a kind of expansion team um and they'll have me pitching for them and they'll be all right so uh it went from you know going from the devils to the cannons and, and the cannon and the devils were still pretty good that they, they had a good core of people uh and as they still do now um and I was just like, okay, well, here's an opportunity to create my own team, put my own stamp on it, and uh, uh, you know, watch it go. So, um, it, you know, we we thought we had divvied up the players pretty equally, and <laughs> I think I got the better part of the deal because I had uh, um, Gabriel Rincones and uh, Julian Santos uh, on my team, and that made a big difference because uh, Gabriel played in the minors for the Mariners as a pitcher, and Julian was a 
played in the Mexican leagues as a center fielder back when I was 18 or 19. So I had this incredible outfield. So like it it really covered up how, how crap a pitcher I was because they didn't get out there. Those guys caught. (laughs) It's quite crazy. Some of the, some of the level of skill players that we have seen uh, come into the league, uh, even whether it, however short a time that may be for. I remember the the comments we had a guy Marco, uh, who's who's just a, a great guy. He he played kind of professional ball in Italy. Um, uh, Ditto Ricardo, who used to pitch a bit for the the Galaxy. Um, it's quite crazy sometimes how this tiny little country, you know. There's, has no business of ever knowing what baseball even is. Uh, most people I talk to about baseball think it's rounders, and I just have to say, no, it's, it's not really rounders. <laughs> yeah, except they get paid forty million a year to play fancy rounders. <laughs> yeah, it's rounders, but not as you know it. <laughs> it's, um... But I mean, that was the great thing. I mean, we used to get guys that would you know um, been touched. I don't remember if you were around when the Devils had Ben Pope. And Ben had reached out to me because he was doing a year to do his master's at Number Uni. And he's kind of like, oh, I, I, I pitched for the Division three school. And I looked him up and he was like the third overall in ERA for, for that level of baseball. And, <laughs> and I mean, it was just incredible. Like, he's like, oh, I, like, I'll play anywhere. Like, just, you know, don't don't make me pitch all the time. I, you know, put me on the field. And um you know, he he. It was the same time that R. A. Dickey book came out, and uh, he taught himself a knuckleball on the fly, and so he mixed in eighty-five mile per hour fastballs with his seventy mile knuckleball that he just learned, and, and oh, it was it was incredible to see him pitch for the year he was here. I mean, just an absolute cannon and arm. And you know, you, as you know, you go up against guys who are like, I've just come back from Boston, New York, Toronto, you know, Orlando, and I've I've watched the game now, and you just go. Good luck, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like I say, there's a, a varying mix of kind of skill levels uh, and experience levels in the league. I think that's one of the things that gives our league its charm. Um, certainly, baseball purists might not have the greatest day at any of our parks. Uh, they tend to be high scoring affairs, uh, to say the least. It'll generally either be a close game, but a high scoring game, or a complete blowout, one way or the other. Uh, on any given Sunday, uh, you do occasionally run into the odd classic, but um, it, it's a it's an amateur league. It, it is. I mean, you're always yeah. having that problem. You're going to have the guys that are there every week in, week out to put the effort in and get better, and you have the guys that just you know they can only come down on Sundays and get a game in here and there. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the passion's definitely there. I mean, if, if you're a baseball fan in the UK. Like you've got to be passionate about it. You just can't be kind of casual because you know you game started, you know midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And, you know you're up till three or four if you're actually watching the game. You know and, um, at least Thursdays and Sundays, you know you get a game at six o'clock at night and you go to bed at a decent time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, God bless. Uh, God bless MLB TV. Exactly. I mean, I mean, for, for a long time it was just Channel Five. It was yeah to get bar workers that would play baseball because they're like well i get home at one two o'clock in the morning and the only thing is on is this is this crazy sport baseball but i i have to unwind from work and next thing i know i'm a fan of all these teams there um because one guy was like oh i'm a tigers fan he's like that i'm like why he's like because they seem to be on mlb or not mlb but channel five a lot so i just <laughs> it's like oh that's great you know uh, 
So, <laughs> but yeah, there's been some characters over the years from from the people that did that. You know, you know, thank God for MLB TV, so we're gonna watch it at a decent time. Yeah, or on demand whenever you feel like it. <laughs> but you know, it, it was baseball, and you watched it. I mean, I'm watching. You know, you're talking 2003. I remember watching Tampa Bay versus Kansas City, and you know, both teams were horrible. But mm-hmm. it was baseball on TV, and I was like, I was stoked. It was like great. Like it's not the the matchup I would have preferred to watch, but it was yeah. no baseball on. You know, twice a week you got a chance to watch baseball, and that was it. Yeah, um, I became a Yankees fan in 2001. Um, I, literally, the first game I ever saw was Yankees Mets at Yankee Stadium. It was the Sunday before the 2001 All Star game, mm-hmm, right? And it was just baseball on five. I had rented All Star Baseball 2002 on PS2 from Global Video. Uh, I'm kind of betraying my age at this point but <laughs> um, and I thought this game's wacky um, I don't really understand it but I'm fascinated by it that, and it that... looks like a hell of a lot of fun and then um, I knew that hockey was already on Channel 5 because I was already a hockey fan right. um, and then obviously I, I kind of became aware that baseball was also on 5 so I, I watched this I tuned in for this first game and I fell in love with the sport by the end of that night. I still remember the pitching matchup. Who was it? It was Randy Keesler for for the Yankees versus Glendon Rush for the Mets. Um, the Yankees won that game. Uh, I remember Jeter hit a home run to the porch in right field to tie the game after Todd Zeal had homered to straightaway centre. <laughs> That's a pretty good memory. Yeah, um, I think it was 5-1. I think the final score was 5-1. Kiesler pitched just under seven innings, which was crazy. Because <laughs> I don't think I ever saw him again. <laughs> Could have been that one time. Yeah. He won his, he won his Major League debut at, uh, at Fenway, which is just crazy. Like, literally his only highlights, I think, in life were winning his big league debut as a Yankee at Fenway and then being on Channel 5 one night. <laughs> There you go. It's just highlights. so crazy. But I mean, I mean, that's what it's like. You just kind of go, okay, that's, that's you know, it's a weird and the wonderful. I, I find um, that fans here are super hardcore, and they keep expecting that, that you know their team to go 162 and zero. And I was like, baseball's a marathon; it's not a sprint. You gotta take yeah, time. definitely. Yeah. As we speak, the Yankees have lost two in a row to Oakland uh, and three in a row going back to the previous series. That's uh, not panic stations in baseball like it would be football to 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 lose three weekends in a row, exactly. uh, and I think that that's where a lot of fans over here sort of miss the boat a bit. Um, it's not like football. It's not like rugby. It's not. It's a. It's not even like any other American sport or North American sport. It's it's very laid back. It's very pedestrian. Um, you know, it's it's a it's, it's like you say, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, and that that that's kind of occurs in a macrocosmic fashion over the course of the season, and also in a microcosmic fashion over the course of the game. You could be down by eight or nine runs early, and still blow the team out by winning like seventeen eight. It's crazy. It's just a crazy game, and such weird things can happen from time to time. I think that that's what draws. I think that's what really draws you to to baseball is just the complete unpredictability. Uh, and from one moment to the next, the score can change quite remarkably. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, just because you're the better team doesn't mean you're going to win each night. Like, I mean, um, yeah, it, it, any 
any given day, anyone can win. Like, you, you just never, you never know. So, um, you know, I, I, that's why I find frustrating. It's like, oh, we're expected to win. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> sometimes, I, you know, I'm, the fastball is just moving better than it normally does. Yeah. I know that in, in Glasgow, I think the mentality of we're expected to win is definitely prevalent because uh, when, again, to go back to football, which is kind of our national pastime, um, Glasgow Celtic and Glasgow Rangers are expected to win all the time. If they lose a game, if they draw a game, uh, it's considered a failure. Um, so, like, I think it's kind of hard for people here to, like you say, like know that that's not necessarily the case. In I mean, it's a hundred and sixty-two game season in the regular season in Major League Baseball. Uh, we play. Around, I think it's 18 games now for the it's season. 18 games now, so um, yeah. Yeah, you guys are really cramming it in this season. Yeah, yeah. as I, I think I've mentioned earlier, the Comets have, I think, four games left and I think three weeks left to play them in. We have a double header this weekend, I believe. Let me check the schedule. Hold on, I got the schedule in front of me here. So you guys have... Oilers at Comets, yep. Aberdeen Oilers. Yeah, we have uh, the Oilers at uh, Tollcross Park this Sunday from 12 uh, in a double header. I think the Galaxy also have a double header this weekend, but in Edinburgh. They do in Edinburgh versus the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> 12 and 3 at Bobby Thompson Field. Yeah. Um, Cannons and Express is also scheduled for a double header. So it's three, it's, it's three doublers. So if you, if you like baseball, get to one of these three parks and you'll, exactly. you'll have plenty of baseball to take in. You know, as Ernie Banks says, say, let's play two today. So it looks like everyone's playing two. And I'm just going to hope yeah. that holds up. Um, talk to me about the Hall of Fame, Jason, uh, because we haven't had a chance to discuss this. Um, and I'm interested to get your, your, your real thoughts on this. You were inducted into the Hall of Fame. I believe you were the... Two years ago. First uh, inductee into the new Baseball Scotland Hall of Fame. Yes, it was me and uh, Gordon Dean, aka Wolfie. Yeah, uh, so you you were the first player inductee. Then I guess uh, would be the best way to put it. How did that come about? Who told you that was going to be happening, and uh, how did that feel? So it was complete surprise. Like I was not expecting that at all. It was our first awards dinner for Baseball Scotland, where we had gotten everyone from Glasgow to Aberdeen to come on down, and uh, they did Gordon's first. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, Gordon's now put in 50 years of uh, his time in baseball in Scotland. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's you know, really chuffed for Gordon. Like, uh, Wolfie just loves the game. And, you know, he still goes to practices. He's uh, 71 now. And, you know, he still shows up to practice for an hour, makes, you know, an hour and a half commute just to go to practice for an hour. Um, and then, so, yeah, so then um, – when they announced it was it was me, uh, I was you know super excited. Like I had no idea it was coming. Uh, I was really honored that um, that the players had felt that I had uh, was worthy to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I've done you know 15 years of baseball, from playing to coaching to managing to running the league. So um, yeah, just absolutely honored that that I was you know one of the first to be able to go in there. So yeah, it, uh, it's been tough to walk away. I really enjoyed it, but uh, you know sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, you have indeed uh, hung up the cleats and glove, and also the uh, the president's pen. Um, you kind of have stepped away from the game quite a bit uh, the past couple of years. 
Yes, yeah, so I had two daughters. So I have uh, my oldest daughter is five. My youngest will be three in November, Daisy. And uh, I tried to play for two years and I just couldn't do it. Like, uh, <laughs> it's not like back home where you get 100 pitches. I mean, if you're a pitcher out in Scotland, you're throwing 200 plus every game, no problem. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. I think Albert, our, the Comets uh, kind of primary pitcher, Albert has thrown, I think on average, about 170 to 190 pitches per start. Now, granted, we only play once a week, but that every week is going to wreak havoc. I mean, it would take me at least three days to recover, Mike. Like, my body would just be yeah. sore. Um, and, and trying to chase after, you know, rugrats, it was, <laughs> it was going to be, it wasn't going to happen. So, um, but I mean, even back in the day, I mean, I remember when I was first over here, I used to throw betting practice for the game, pitch my nine innings, because that's what you were limited to. Uh, and then I'd go catch in the second half of the double header. So yeah. I, I had a lot more energy back then. You don't have that now. <laughs> um, do you have a, a favorite baseball memory in Scotland? Oh, man. Um, let me see. I mean, we, we got to travel a lot. I really enjoyed the traveling. Um, let me see. I've been to, we played baseball in, say, Lithuania. We played in Belgium. We played in France. Um, I mean, in Lithuania, we met the president of Lithuania, who happened to be there at the opening of the field. Um, you know, wow! Yeah, it was, it was. They came over and said, "Hey, we need two guys to meet the president of Lithuania." I was like, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> so, um, uh, so we had a beer with him and and tried to explain baseball to him. Uh, you know, it, it was you know a lot of just hanging out with the guys. Um, I've had a game where I've had a walk off. Um, I've had uh, a three home run game, which were great. Um, um, you know, there's been some just some great baseball all around there. Uh, it'd be hard to say w- which one was probably my favorite. You know, probably the walk off home run. You know, that was, that's always fun to do. I have a I have a particularly sour memory of you. Um, unfortunately, um, my last at bat of back to back seasons at one point. Um, they were both strikeouts on high pitches from you <laughs> to end the game. So that was quite pissed. <laughs> but, that, you know, it's like, it happens. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's part of uh, the charm at, at baseball. I mean, like I said, mm. if you fail seven times out of ten at baseball, you're in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. um, so you know, you're a new player. You know, I, I usually gave everyone a chance to you know, get a hit off me and at least prove you can swing the bat. Mm. And then once the first time you've, you've done, <laughs> then then came the curveball and everything else yeah. with it. So, fortunately um, for me, because I, I never hit you well at all, um, I don't recall ever getting a hit from you. I think I reached base on an error once uh, against you, and about I want to say I, I probably faced you about eight times. Um, I think I struck out three times and grounded out the rest of them, and I reached on an error once. Um, but fortunately for me, I played with you more times than I played against you in the kind of early days of my uh, my time as a baseball player. I still remember um, you playing for us and then and and sitting in the right field, and then your your teammates would be pissed off, going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, that's what happens when you're a rookie. You, you need to try and get you need to try and get some innings in. But then, I mean, like I've had times where. I pitch for both teams just to finish the game out. You know? Yeah. I, I think I've actually pitched for every team at one point in time. <laughs> you know, I, I can't remember how many times it's been like the seventh inning and someone's been hurt. And like, we don't have any more pitchers. It's like, okay, I'm going to go pitch for both teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, certainly I think the league is becoming more and more organised. Uh, from that standpoint, there are kind of more restrictions starting to be put in, which is probably a good thing, I think, on balance. Uh, it gives it incentivizes every team to have a structure, um, which is definitely something we can use moving forward. As the league grows, uh, you want it to have some structure. Um but yeah, uh, I think we'll, I'm going to leave you alone from here. Uh, I don't want to pester you any further. Uh, we also want to keep some stories for, for future episodes of the podcast. Um, so we'll wrap it up today. Uh, we've gone over the, the games that we have coming up this, uh, this weekend. Um, as I said previously, the season's more or less done. However, we have a post-season tournament called the Caledonia Cup that we will be able to um, cover in real time. Uh, this for the listeners uh, and anyone who doesn't know, this podcast has been uh, a very arduous work in progress. It's been uh, sort of, you had the idea at least a year ago. I know it was at least a year ago you contacted me about doing it. Yeah. Um, so it's probably been in your mind for longer than that. Um, but it's good to finally get the first episode out of the way. Um, and obviously this, is a, this podcast itself is still a work in progress. Uh, we'll be doing tweaks here and there. Um, we'll work on the structure of how the, the show will come at the, the listeners. Uh, it can be heard on Anchor uh, at anchor.fm slash NH. Uh, that's my other podcast. <laughs> Too many podcasts. At anchor.fm slash Caps and Pipes. Uh, we can be found on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Caps and Pipes. Uh, we can, I think this podcast will be distributed to all the kind of usual podcast platforms as well um do you have any links that you want to plug so yeah so i, I run a kind of a history and a caps blog hence ball caps and bagpipes <laughs> and uh so you can find me I, I i usually use my uh my instagram camp but you can find me on twitter as well but it's bubba on baseball uh, i do a daily kind of interesting thing i found about that something's happened that day in baseball and uh there's usually a picture of me wearing a cap and i'll usually talk about uh, the history, the, the the hat that I'm wearing that day, and and wherever in town I am, take the picture randomly. So, as a little tease, uh, on the day that we're recording, what was today's interesting fact? Uh, so Brandon Webb had his 42 inning uh, scoreless streak broken today, um, and so yeah, that was that was 2006, I want to say. So um, that was that was the, there was a few other things there, but that was the one that was most interesting. There was actually. Uh, what was it? There was something in like 1870, but I couldn't find a picture about it. And the guy hit it inside the home run because there was a stray dog in the field and had grabbed the right fielder's pant leg and he was able to chase the ball. <laughs> but I mean, there was no pictures in 1870, so you know I couldn't use that one. Uh, but yeah, there's always interesting facts like that. I try to keep it lighthearted and interesting stuff that you normally wouldn't know about baseball. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that, that's the fun part about doing the research every day. You go, yeah, that's that's actually really cool. Like, who would have known? Like something like, that? like uh, I think it was yesterday, or maybe it was the day before. But then uh, they had the somebody had caught the highest drop ball off the Cleveland Municipal Building, which was like seven hundred feet. So it was like catching a two hundred pound baseball by the time it hit the ground. <laughs> Jeez, oh. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so you know, there's stuff like that, and of course, you know, I try to keep it somewhat modern to the UK and European audience because you know, yeah. you mentioned say Brandon Webb, and they're like, "Who's that?" He's like, "Oh, he was a really good pitcher for the Diamondbacks in the early 2000s before he got hurt, uh, and it's still over most people's heads." 
Oh, I, re- I remember the early 2000s Diamondbacks pretty well. Not fondly, but well. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> 2001, I can't imagine why. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember the, the web pitch for the team in 2001. I don't think he did then. I think that was still the Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling years. Um, yeah. Might have uh, those two guys still give me nightmares. I think they gave a lot of people nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Not just people, but pigeons as well. There's also the, the famous exploding pigeon, uh, Randy Johnson pitch. Yes. That, but apparently that uh, really distressed him. He was very upset by it. Well, so he's not the only one that's done that. So uh, Dave Winfield did that for the Yankees uh, in like 1981, <laughs> and he was actually arrested by the Toronto police for uh, animal endangerment. <laughs> I covered it. It was one of my posts that did. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is so much history uh, in baseball to get through as we go. Um, so we will try and sprinkle wee bits of history in, uh, both Major League uh, history and uh, obviously Scottish baseball history is a lot richer than people might realise. Um, I think you're working on uh, a historian type um, to put together quite a nice package for us to, to, to run on the podcast, is that right? Yeah, we have someone who's looking into various uh, articles you can find on baseball throughout the years throughout Scotland. I know I have some stuff from 2003. I should go to the clubhouse and see. I know there's even some more stuff going even further back that was, you know, uh, we had made the newspapers and whatnot. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely sprinkle in some Scottish baseball history. Excellent. Um, and obviously we have interviews uh, coming up with, uh, with players, past, present, future, coaches, other characters, uh, and just general chit-chat with people we know around the game uh, here and elsewhere. Um, we'll wrap up the show uh, for today. Um, please, uh, if you are listening, if you have any feedback, please get in touch. Let us know. We want to make the show as, uh, as kind of enjoyable as possible. Um, this is obviously the first one, so we'll be ironing out the, crease, the creases for the next wee while. We're going to use the rest of this season as a pilot run to fix bits and pieces as we go. Um, but it's been really fun uh, starting off uh, with your history in the game, Jason. Uh, you've told me some stuff I didn't know previously, so that's great. Um and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll reconvene next week for the for the second episode. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure I have some other stories that we can share. Uh, some PG, some not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to keep it strictly PG here. We've kind of made the editorial decision to um, not necessarily filter it. We're not going to be effing and blinding nonstop, but um, it will kind of, as a content warning, it won't always be 100% family friendly. Yes, um, it's just I think it's purer that way. It makes it more natural. Yeah, exactly. We don't want what people worrying about during the swear or not. So yeah, I mean, for anyone who's heard my other podcast, which I will plug now, uh, the NHC Music Podcast, uh, that's kind of yeah, <laughs> it's very much an uncensored show. So cool. Well, like I said, it's been fun. We look forward to everyone uh, listening to us. Um, yeah. Do our best to keep you entertained and uh, enjoy it. So. Yep, and uh, go Comets. <laughs> uh, so I'll, <laughs> I'll say go Cannons. I'll say that's still my team. I got I to still support them. So. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. You've uh, you're, you're wearing their cap in the Hall of Fame, so that's so that's only it's only natural. Yeah, of course. I, I still got to have my soft spot for him. 
All right, man. Uh, let's call it a day. Uh, it's been great chatting, Jason, and I'll speak to you next week. All right. Talk to you later, John. It's been fun. You too, man. Bye-bye. Bye.